You are listening to Hands at Work Audio. In this podcast, we hear George Snayman speaking to Forge Church in the UK, recorded in October 2012. Good morning. Please, uh, I hope you can hear my voice this morning. <laughs> Thanks to BAA, I had a fantastic air conditioner seat when I came here. Um, well, when I left South Africa, it was 41 degrees at 10 o'clock in the morning. And then I got in your plane and they pumped me of aircon. And when I landed here, it was 6 degrees. <laughs> and that didn't work well for me. But what a joy it is for me to be here this morning in such a special, special place for Hands at Work. Um, I sent early this morning, I sent information to Hands at Work, and I, and I said to him, I'll be with uh, the Forge community this morning. And I got so many people responding, just saying to me, please tell them I send greetings, tell them we love them. And yeah, you just got such an impact in the Hans family and in Africa, and as Becky so beautifully articulated there, um, I want to thank you. I want to thank you, Steve and the elders, for allowing me to be here this morning and, and to share with you. Um, we love it when you come. We love it when Becky and Sam and other leaders come and they, they even spend time with us in Hans at work in a hub. You know, we all live in a community also. We don't just work out in the communities, we live ourselves in a community that's part and parcel of what we try to do as hands to, de- to get um, as many different cultures together and to live out um, what Jesus spoke about so powerfully um, when he shared with the disciples at the Sea of Galilee. And um, the way that we try to do that is to bring glimpses of exactly what Becky spoke about, the kingdom of God, to each other. Because that is what we hold on to. That is what Steve sang about this morning. I also want to thank each and every one of you. I want to very specifically thank you, every one of you, that are important, uh, connected to some of our children, and are giving sacrificially. Thank you. You, you make a huge impact. You bring hope. You bring God's love. You bring a huge difference. You give choices to girls who do not have choices this morning, who have to put their bodies on the line so that their siblings can have a plate of food. I want you to know this is not just sponsoring a child. It's not like that. It's throwing out the lifeline to somebody that's got no hope in this world, that can never believe that they can be a God of love. And they might never see you. You might never know exactly who it connects with. But I want you to know that you are making a massive impact. And in a month where it stretch your budget a little bit, know that you are just having a small taste of how Jesus was stressed for you and me. But I know that there are some of us that cannot go. There are some of us that just can't give. And I want to thank you for praying for us. 
you know, working with the children like that, children that we would call are off the ladder completely, they don't have choices. To pray, to go in there and to, to try and get them onto the ladder is going head on with Satan in his killing fields. We know that God loves all of us. But we also know that he's got a particular soft spot for the poorest. And he's got a particular soft spot for the poorest children. I was in Badia in Nigeria about a month ago. And as I walked into the slum, the very first thing I saw was a baby of about six months that was thrown into a pool of water just to drown because the mother just could not cope anymore. She could not face another day trying to find food for her child. Now, you know, I felt for the mother. I felt for the baby. But my heart broke for my father because I know how much he loves that child. And it's nearly like that Satan knows that that is the softest spot to hurt, is to get hold of those children. And so we need huge prayer. We need people to stand in a gap for, for us day and night. So I want to thank you for doing that. And I want to thank you for those who speak on behalf of us. You never know where you sow that seed. You never know when you speak to somebody at work who's got a son whose name might be Dan Wasp. You never know. You never know the impact that you can have. But speaking, I think that's why the prophet Isaiah so clearly spoke. And he said, speaking on behalf of those who cannot speak. I want to thank you for doing that for us and for being such a blessing to us. We know this morning, it's all about adoption. The whole salvation plan is about adoption. And this morning, I've got a word that I really trust. I want to sow into you as a community. I, I want to give you something, and, and I want to trust God <coughs> that he will be able to, through my croaky voice and terrible English, that something will hit in the right place. So I want to ask you to open your heart to say, God, so deeply in me. Salvation is all about redemption, uh, adoption. All of us have been adopted. You know, I adopted a child. I know how it feels to adopt somebody. I remember when I held a baby that was lying naked, naked with a witchcraft rope around the waist, in the sand, covered in sores, screaming in the sun, in Africa and I picked the child up with my hand like this and I said to the child you're a goner you're not going to make it but the compassion and the pain that I felt for that child when I saw this pathetic naked baby full of sores lying in the sand compelled me to do something could not walk away from that. So many of you know that story about my family. 
And today she's my daughter, Nikiwe. She's 11 years old and she's amazing. But you know, I thought when I reached out to Nikiwe and I poured out compassion on her, I thought that I'm blessing her. I want to tell you 11 years later, it's not true. I am the one that was blessed. In some mystical way, I cannot understand it. It, It's too deep for me to understand. But my father allowed that. He allowed me to connect there. He allowed me to find Nikiwe because he knows I desperately needed a revelation of grace and love. You see, it's only when the penny dropped for me because so many times I said, God, why Nikiwe? And God said, George, why you? Why you? That my heart just, my whole chest just swell with so much gratefulness that I feel it wants to burst. And I feel I can't breathe anymore. And I start catching glimpses of what we call grace. I love Galatians 4 verse 4 and the message it reads like this. You can tell for sure that you are fully adopted as your own children because God sent the spirit of his son into our lives so that we can cry out, Papa, Father. Doesn't that privilege of intimate conversation with God make it plain that you and I are not slaves anymore we are sons and daughters we are not just sons and daughters we are co-heirs with Jesus and he became our elder brother now when we are outside when we were outside with no hope and no home just like Nikiwe Jesus brought us into his family. What he did for us was he explained the gospel to us. And Forge, that's what you do. When you connect with Africa, you act out the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you take hands of other churches and you say you're going to get involved with those who've got no hope and another continent, it is the most vivid way that you can display a snapshot of the kingdom of your father. You see, really what it is, is that there was a community called the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They were 100% content. They were 100% submitting to each other, humbling, You can read Jesus' words over and over. I do nothing on my own. I always do what my father tells me. I do only what he shows me. And the same with the father, always glorifying his son. This is my son. This is the one. And so you, you have a three united in this community. I call it they are dancing together. They're in total rhythm, completely happy, totally content. But because love was the very core foundation of that community when they saw Nikiwe, which is you. 
they were compelled to break the community up, rip it open, and to say to the son, go. I love the message where Eugene Peterson explained that in John 1. Eugene Peterson says this. He said, and the word became flesh, and the flesh moved into our neighborhood. And so Jesus moved into our neighborhood. He left this community. Hi, you know, you guys leave from here, a beautiful country, a beautiful place, and you go to Africa. Maybe it's about this far. Jesus left the highest throne room of heaven. He became homeless. He became a refugee in Africa. He became an orphan. So that you and I could be pulled into that community. And that's redemption. First of all, he left and he came and he fetched us. But now, here's the dream. Here's the dream. He's pulling us in and he's saying, come and dance with me. Come into this rhythm of love and submission and outward looking and and total security. Total security. We heard Becky said that that young girl in Zambia said, but when you leave, you're going to forget me. That's our fear. That's what we struggle with. But God invited us and he said, come into my community. Now when you and I catch that, when that becomes a reality in our lives, what do you think are we going to (laughs) do? Close our community? And say Sunday mornings we meet and we have great worship like Steve and them gave us? And then go home and enjoy the riches of the kingdom of God? Is it possible that we missed it completely? Of course, we know that one of the biggest challenges we have to sort out in our minds is that too many of us are Englishmen that became Christians versus a Christian that just happened to be born in England. It's a huge difference. The one is looking from your culture. This is how we do it. The other one is looking at the city that is to come and say, I'm a pilgrim. Exactly what that song said. Even when things are shaken, even if I lose, even if I take my house, who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Mark, I'm a citizen of the new Jerusalem. I've got a few days, a few hours, a few years that I can pour out that love and, and let other people also experience what it means to be naked and be pulled into a family and to say, I belong. I belong. I don't have to perform. Somebody else performed for me. And get into the rhythm, the rhythm of our God. So God invited us into his kingdom because he wants us to dance with him. I want us to look at Micah 6 verse 8 this morning. And just use it as a basis. You know, I often struggled with that. What's the difference between justice and mercy? Because if we look at Micah 6, 8, but let me read it to you. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, 
and to love mercy and to walk humbly before your God. God say, listen, I'll tell you what I want. Do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly before me. I want to just take those three things this morning and, and as trust God, the species of bread. I want to share it with you. I love the way Andrew Murray defined evangelization. He said to evangelize is one beggar showing another beggar where to find bread. But to do mercy or to do justice, let me read to you from Job. I want you to hear what Job said. I rescued the poor who cried for help and the fatherless who had no one to assist him. The one who was dying blessed me and I made the widow's heart leap with joy. I made the widow's heart leap with joy. I was in a church recently in a village in Zambia. And as I sat there, they, they put me there with all the important people. You know how we do it in Africa. And there I was sitting and I watched this girl. I watched this girl come into the church and she sat with other children. And of course she can't understand and listen to the whole sermon. And so she started playing with one of her friends. And the deacon came and he took that girl and he picked her up in her arm and he took her right out of the church and he closed the door. And something in me went wild. Like this real crazy thing. And I got up and I walked out of the church. And I looked around and I found her. Outside the church there was a a big latrine and she was standing behind it like this. And I just went to her and I knelt down next to her and I took her hands. And I just started speaking to her. And this child changed in front of me. They came to me and said to me, you must come and speak now. And I said, no. I know why I'm here today. And it's not to be with you in that church. I picked this child up and we started walking. I've got those photos there about uh, clothing the orphan and making the widow's heart sing with joy. And there I saw her mother, a young lady, maybe in her mid-twenties, a widow, living in shame in that village because she's HIV positive, being stigmatized, dare not go into the church. And there I found myself, 10 minutes ago I sat in the front row of a church to speak. And now I found myself outside the church. And here I've got this orphan with, with a widow, And Jesus was just all over us, like a wet blanket. He was just covering us. And I said, God, I picked the child up and I put her on my shoulders. And there I held the child. And I took the widow's hand. And we started walking through the village. Justice is to speak out on behalf. To stand up and to draw a line in the sand and to say, No, I'm not going to continue. And to clothe the orphan 
Job said, I've clothed the orphans. I met Ignat in, in, in Malawi late last year. She was the head of the family. There's a photo of Ignat on here also. Maybe we've got technical problems with that. But I've got a, a photo of Ignat and her two siblings. Ignat is 12 years old. She walked 250 kilometers. I don't know what that's in miles. After both the mother and father died in Lilongwe in a city, she walked with her brother and sister yeah, to find a village where, where she heard some of her family were living. And when she got there, they treated her like a slave. On a Sunday afternoon, I walked into that village, and there I found Ignat. You know, Ignat changed me. I was so challenged by Ignat. I wanted to do something, but I didn't know what I could do. I'll never forget, after I sat with him and we spoke and we spent time together, I walked away and I walked about 10 meters and I looked back and I looked into Ignat's eyes. She stood there like that, looking at me. And it was like God was just looking right through me. I turned around and went back to Ignat. I said, Ignat, if you can have something today, what, if, you, if you can ask me for one thing today, what will you ask me for? You know what he said to me? If you can give me soap so that I can wash my body. I mean, we were in the mountains in Malawi. I went home. I stayed in a hut. I went home and I took my soap, used piece of soap. I went back to Ignat. I said, Ignat, I can't buy you new soap. But I want to give you my soap. I don't know. God seemed to use soap in my life <laughs> to reach out to people. And the way I connected with Ignat. I could see, even if it was only for a split second, but she saw the kingdom of God. She saw there was hope. There was love. So Job say, I have blessed the widow and made her heart sing with joy. And I've closed the orphan. That's Ignat, thank you. That's Ignat on the right. And the two children, they walked 250 kilometers. They are slaves today, slaves. That child stayed right through me. But mercy, what is mercy? So justice is when you and I stand on behalf of somebody. We draw a line. But God say, I want you to do mercy. I love mercy. That previous photo that he showed was taken in a slum in Nigeria called Ilija. Ilija is one of the worst places I've ever been in my life. It's a slum of about 600,000 people. This is how it looks. That's how it looks. It's just for miles and miles and miles you can walk. 
We've got a school there. We've got some photos of the children in the school there. I mean, these children are like, look at that. Look at that. Look at that. These kids grow up in a hellhole. But you know what? We've got a school for them. They, They get food every day. I asked them to pray for me. This whole school came around me. They started praying. After 20 minutes, I opened my eyes. I'm looking around. I thought, gee, I wish it can go on for days. This kid's praying for me. In the middle of the darkest place, here's this fountain of love. But you know, as I walked away from there, and you can see that plank there, because the sewage is just everywhere. You, you've got to walk over that. That's his school. And as I walked away from there, one of the, the care workers came to me and said to me, did you recognize this lady? And she pointed to a woman. I mean, I, I meet a lot of people. I get up in the mornings and I look at cattle and I think, I'm sure I know you from somewhere. <laughs> That's my wife. <laughs> We've been married for eternity. And <clears throat> I've made it a fine art to make us if I know. But there I couldn't. I said, no, I don't know. And a woman came to the front. And she said to me, sir, you were here in 2006. It's the first time I went there. And she said, you were praying in a church for widows. And afterwards, as you walked out, there was a shack. And when she said that, I remembered. Man, it was not even a shack. It was just a, a piece of canvas connected to a wall. And inside was this woman lying, rotting away. She was as good as dead. I prayed for her that day to die in peace. This woman was over and done. She couldn't go from there to the church for me to pray. I could smell how sick she was. This woman was dying. You know, in that heat, 45, 48 degrees in Lagos, I knelt in that filthy place. I held her hands. And my heart exploded because she was too young to die, especially alone like that. And I just prayed over her. She was as good as dead. In Hebrews 11, 11, it say, beyond proper time. She was beyond proper time. I lived. And God healed her. He touched that woman. I never knew it. She raised up. Because God showed mercy to her. Here's the thing. God showed mercy to her. And she caught grace. She is the head mistress of that schools. She heads up those schools. People say she's there five o'clock in the morning, sweeping the floors, cleaning, getting the food ready, getting the when those children come into that school, it's literally coming out of a filthy, dirty place, walking through a door, and the spirit of God is just there. She was as good as dead. And God showed her mercy. Wow. What incredible God we serve. And how easy can we say these things? 
and not understand it. But it's a third thing. It's speaking about I want you to walk humbly before me. And that's why I knew right from day one in 1998 I knew that God wanted us to be a platform for churches, for believers, for living stones to come to Africa. Because you see, when Becky met that girl, when I met Ignat, it humbled me. My worries and my moans and groans and unhappiness I became ashamed of. Because I look at Ignat and I think, God, why don't you just squash me? Why don't you just squash me? How can you still have love for me? Look at that. And I'm moaning. You see, it's moments like that that we understand life. We understand that if you're an Englishman who happened to be a Christian, you will never understand this. You'll never understand this. Because you will think it's your right. You'll think it is, you know, what's the difference between your child and Ignat? Ignat was born in Malawi. Your child was born here. Let us be very humble. Let us be very grateful. Not guilty, not condemned. No, never, never. I use the words grateful, humble. That we've got the opportunity to give and to bless to be like Jesus. It's only when we live like that that the world will change and the kingdom will come. You see, the root, the root sin of Satan was pride. You know that. That's why he was cast out of heaven. And Jesus came to be a servant. The son of the living God was born in a stinky manger. He had the biggest ballet show in the history of mankind in the heavens of the angels. And he showed it to shepherds. Not kings, shepherds. Your God is a humble God. And Isaiah 57, it say, God dwell high in the heavens and in a humble of heart. Nowhere else. Nowhere else. 
you want to catch God, you'll catch him in a humble of heart. Anything outside that is death religion based on pride. So forge. You do amazing stuff. And I can see God is doing it in you. But you are the ones who are blessed, not the children. You are the ones who are receiving. Because we can never outgive God. And in some mystical way, as he allowed me to meet Nikki and for her to change my life, he's doing the same with you. When you go, every time you go to Zambia, there's something mystical that we cannot explain. This morning, I leave it with you. It's through mercy that you'll find grace. It's through mercy. And that grace will always bring gratitude and humbleness. And that, once you're in that cycle, you catch that rhythm and you start dancing with your father and your elder brother and the Holy Spirit and all of us are coming together and we're joining this community called the Ecclesia, the body of Christ. And this movement is rhythm, is dancing and it is way above the worldly ways of thinking. Nobody can understand it, but wherever we dance in, things fall over, get out of the way because there's no power that can stand against it. Dance with me. Catch the rhythm. Thank you for joining us. Double, double, double dot hands at work dot org.